This is Joshua Bell with The Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from September 26, 2021, entitled High Tea for Haman. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. I'm not going to lie in the sense that this week's scripture is weird. It happens to be the lectionary text from Esther. It's Esther chapter 7 verses 1 through 6 and verses 9 through 10. And then we skip on over to chapter 9 verses 20 through 22. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. So the king and Haman went in to feast with king, Queen Esther. And on the second day, as they were drinking wine, notice it's the second day they're drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request, even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, if I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me, that is my petition. And the life of my people, that is my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have held my peace. But no enemy can compensate for the damage to the king. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he who has presumed to do this? Esther said, a foe and enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Ben Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Look, the very gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, stands at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, Hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the anger of the king abated. So Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, enjoining them that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and also the 15th day of the same month year by year. As the days on which the Jews gained relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, and days for sending gifts of food to one another and presents to the poor. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. So today we're going to have a Bible study not like my normal sermons, that we talk about the Bible and we talk about how it affects our life. We're going to actually have a conversation about the, uh, the biblical understandings academically for the book of Esther. Esther itself almost didn't make it into the canon. It's actually written in about three different languages. We know that it was most likely, as I have to make sure I got my notes right, that the book of Esther is written in the Hebrew edition preserved in the Masoretic texts. That's what you just read. That's the, not the oldest Hebrew version of the Bible. It's the one that we like. 
because it gives us, uh, you know, it gives us these moments where you can start to see kind of punctuation. If you want to talk about the Masoretic text, there it, we we have the Isaiah scroll and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, that was a Masoretic text, so it's not the oldest text, but it's one of them. We also have it's found in the Septuagint, um, and as much as I like to admit it, the Septuagint is good. But the problem with this is, is that this is also written in Greek and in Hebrew. It was a really hard book to make it into the canon. See, here's part of the problem. When we talk about Bible study, and we talk about the Hebrew Bible, there's a main character in all of the books of the Hebrew Bible. Can anybody guess? It's the one character that's in every single book of the Hebrew Bible. Okay, Quentin, go ahead. Well, Jesus isn't in the Hebrew Bible. It would, who would be the other one? That's my boy. God. Fantastic. So God is the main character throughout the whole Hebrew Bible. Guess whose voice is not heard in the book of Esther? God. God doesn't speak throughout the whole book of Esther. And it's fascinating to me because we elevate Esther as this book that's talked about all the time. If you want to talk about a, a, a favorite book for most people, they'll say the book of Esther. Why? Because of her boldness. When we talk about Esther, she is bold in her faith. And that's awesome. However, in the Hebrew Bible, there's an important aspect to hearing the voice of God. The presence of God has to be in that place in order for the prophet to be moved into something else. Esther does what she does with boldness for the love of her faith and for her people, but God's voice is not spoken in the book of Esther. There's another problem with Esther, and it's why it almost didn't make it into the canon, was is there's no conversation about law, except there's a lot of conversation about how you live it out. Like if I'm going to live out Torah, I shouldn't eat certain things. That's pretty much the biggest part of the Torah conversation that Esther has, is the dietary thing which she doesn't even follow. She eats whatever King Ahasuerus gives to her. And so, so there's, she's not even following kosher rules until we get closer to the end. Now, Mordecai is probably one of the biggest characters in the book that we just kind of highlight very, very briefly. And we cannot leave out Vashti. Vashti is King Ahasuerus' first wife, which means she's number one, and they literally num numbered them. She was the first and foremost queen. She gets the title queen. And somehow in the book of Esther, you find out that she kind of loses that title to Esther because of Esther's, can anybody guess? Boldness. Fantastic. You're all learning so quick. You're all becoming Bible scholars this morning. There's another, a couple other things that I want to point out that in this understanding of this, that this the book of Esther really, the part that's important to the Hebrew culture is it establishes a festival known as Purim. Purim is a festival that they have practiced for centuries. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. So let's talk about this particular passage of scripture in a biblical understanding. So now that we understand that it was written in multiple languages and that it was written in such a way that 
brings people to an understanding of God, not necessarily God's voice itself, but God in the conversation, in the background. What's Esther's purpose? Well, and we only get bits and pieces of this from the lectionary text. See, there's three festivals that we didn't get to read about. The first text that I read to you this morning is literally the second festival. And this bad guy in the story by the name of Haman is doing everything he can to undermine Esther. Well, really, he doesn't like Mordecai. Esther's just a byproduct. So Haman comes up with this plan to have all of the Hebrews, especially Mordecai, killed. And Mordecai is passing this word on to Esther, who then Esther then says, Oh, King Ahasuerus, please help me make sure we save my people. And then Haman does everything Haman can to make it not, to, to make sure that Mordecai is going to get killed. Even so far as to build a gallows in his front yard that's 50 cubits high that they would hang Mordecai on so that everybody that walked by, King Ahasuerus, would never be challenged again because of his force of power. Now here's where it gets fascinating. If you translate this, sometimes if you look at the old text, it doesn't say that they hung him. It says they hung him, well, let's just say it was an uncomfortable place for guys. So they hung him from that, from the gallows, and then they cut his head off, and they stuck it on a pike, because that's what, they wanted to, that's what Haman wanted to do to Mordecai. This is a weird story, and we're in the middle of it in the lectionary text. Then the second part of that that's really, really weird is how Haman gets in trouble. He and Esther are having a battle, because she's a part of his harem, Ahasuerus' harem, right? So they're having a battle, and in the middle of this, Haman trips and falls on Esther's bed, just as King Ahasuerus comes walking in the room. King Ahasuerus sees this and says, you're trying to rape my wife. And then that's why King ha while Haman gets hung. What a crazy story, right? This is all in the Bible, folks. What a crazy story. And God's voice isn't spoken throughout the whole thing. Or is it? Esther is lifted up because of her boldness. As she stands up for human beings. Not wanting them to be treated differently than the person next to them. In her boldness. She stands up for a place and a way of understanding that we should have in our own daily lives. I mean, I know that you are all perfect believers in God through Jesus Christ. And I'm sure that every single day that you walk and have breath, that you hear the voice of God guiding you as to what you're supposed to be doing, right? Esther is the true aspect of our faith. There are many days that as we walk along in our faith, in our understanding, that we don't hear the voice of God. Sometimes, in the aspect of our faith, we have to continue to walk this journey, realizing that we're not ever going to hear the voice of God. The goal then becomes, how do we live a life like that? 
continue to try to serve our fellow human beings. We continue to do that in such a way because we believe in a God, the Creator. That's, we'd say, you know, in our minds, that makes total sense. When Jesus comes to us as Christians, which is dangerous, by the way, folks, anytime that you take the Hebrew Bible and you say, well, this is exactly what Jesus meant, that, that's called supersessionism. So the, the point here is, is Esther is written an idea for Midrash, for discussion, right? But when Jesus does come, he comes with a boldness. He comes with an understanding. As my Hebrew Bible professor, Dr. Lisa Davison, would say, that when we were translating these things in, from Hebrew into English, she said, you have to do this with gusto. If you make a mistake, do it with boldness, she would say. So Jesus comes with a boldness, and he tells us to do specific things. But it's interesting about how the voice of God speaks in the Gospels. Do the disciples hear the voice of God? Well, they hear the voice of God through Jesus, but I mean, I'm specifically talking in the sense of, do, does God speak to Peter and say, hey, Peter, uh, why don't you go deny my son three times? Jesus tells him that, right? Look at what they did with boldness. In an act of faith, with an understanding that if we are serving our humans, great things will happen. Not, not for the glory, not for the praise, but for the glory of God. Now the part that's hard. What do we do with Haman? I mean, it's not a good part of the story, right? It's not comforting. There's something almost comical to the aspect of, well, if I do this with boldness and I do everything that God's telling me to do, all of my enemies are going to get hung. Eh, that's not a good way to look at God. I think that if you were to really study the Hebrew Bible, you would find that God weeps when humans take human lives. I think you would find that God weeps when we don't take care of our fellow human beings. You see this in the way that Jesus talks with his disciples. There's a boldness to our faith. If you were Esther, in the way it's written, right, it's about Midrash, if you were Esther, how would you have handled this, handled this situation? Would you, for instance, appeal for mercy or lenience for your enemy, Haman? That's what Jesus tells you to do. When you have spoken a truthful, confronting word in a crisis, where do you feel the most uncomfortable speaking up? Is it to your parents? to your in-laws? Is it at home? Is it at work? Is it at a church meeting? I think in all of our areas of our life we, we desire more boldness but we don't want to be bold in a way that turns people away from God. Our boldness needs to be attracting people to God. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. In such a way that as Esther is asked from King Ahasuerus, what is it that you would want? What is your petition? I just want to be free, and I want all of my people to be free as well. Our boldness needs to be, I need to go out and preach and teach and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I need to find those that are lost and bring them to the fold. It's hard in today's culture to find ways of bringing people closer to God, especially when we're six feet apart. And it's, it's a right, good decision to social distance, but this is beyond that, right? This is beyond all of those things that we've had to battle over the last year, the last two years. This comes to a place where we are asking God to give us boldness. As my daughter would quote from our favorite TV show, a boldness to go where no human being has ever gone before. Thank you for no one has ever gone before. That's my kid. This is the land of Christianity that we find ourselves in today. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Blazing a trail of love, compassion, and justice in such a way that is pleasing to God. Even when we can't hear God's voice. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.